Hello, everyone. This is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesale and Electrical Marketing, with the September 12th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. Champion began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988, and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specification. In today's podcast, we'll, we'll take a look at the latest data from the Dodge Momentum Index for clues on where the construction market may be headed over the next few months. We're going to unveil a new regular feature in these EW Champions podcasts, our electrical marketing's local market snapshots. We'll also check out some weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense where the U.S. economy and the electrical market may be headed. These five weekly indicators are initial employment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series for 2022. For the week ending September 3rd, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 222,000. That's a decrease of 6,000 from the previous week's revised level. The four-week moving average was 233,000, and that's a decrease of 7,500 from the previous week's revised average. In August, the unemployment rate raised by 0.2% to 3.7%. That number of unemployment persons through August increased by 344,000 to 6 million. These five states had the biggest decreases in unemployment claims through September the 3rd. New York with a decrease of 3,539, Michigan with a decrease of 2,088, and Connecticut with 953 claims fewer. Well, Alabama also had a decrease of 411, South Carolina had a decrease of 352, and Louisiana was down 226. Five states had increases in unemployment claims of at least 800 for the week ending September the 3rd. They were Massachusetts with an increase in claims of 2,955, Oklahoma with an increase of 1,516, Pennsylvania with an increase of 991, Kentucky with an increase of 814, and California with an increase of 802 claims. An interesting leading economic indicator for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, and it publishes this data weekly. Through the beginning of September, total U.S. weekly rail track was 513,087 carloads and intermodal units. That's up 3.7% compared with the same week last year. Combined U.S. carloads and intermodal originations in August were 2,525,510, and that's up 0.4% or 11,184 carloads and intermodal units from August 2021. <laughs> AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said in the press release, Things can change quickly, but there are reasons to believe the economy is on track to stimulate continued improvement in rail volumes. To be sure, some traffic categories are doing better than others, just like some sectors of the economy are doing better than others. Through, the, through additional hiring and continued investments, railroads are preparing themselves for growth. The other big news in the freight rail industry is the possibility of a rail strike. Negotiations with unions are ongoing, but if the two sides don't come to an agreement by this coming Friday, AAR says that more than 7,000 trains daily would be idled and a strike would trigger retail product shortages, widespread manufacturing shutdowns, job losses, and disruptions to hundreds of thousands of passenger rail customers. 
The overall increase mentioned by AAR's John Gray is starting to show up now in the data for individual freight categories. Four categories are now up over 2021 year-to-date. Coal, which is up 3.7%, chemicals up 3.6%, non-metallic minerals up 4.3%, and farm products excluding grain and food, which is up 4.1%. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count. This tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil players are in Texas and Oklahoma and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. The rig count was down by six for the week ending September 2nd, according to the Baker Hughes data. The the rigs that shut down were all in the Permian Basin, which accounts for 50% of all active rigs. However, despite this drop, it's still up by 260 rigs compared to this time the last year. Oil prices are starting this week off in the mid-80s per barrel. This is up about $10 a barrel from this time last year. They are, however, down significantly from the $100 plus levels per barrel that were part of the price surge that started up in late February at the start of the war in Ukraine and lasted through early summer. While the overall oil business has been always been known for its wild business cycles, it, the offshore drilling segment is even more volatile than the rest of the business. Look at the peaks and valleys the offshore business has seen since 2000 in this chart, and this is according to the Baker Hughes rig data. The rig counts offshore can easily vary by 50% from the peak to the trowel of the various drilling cycles. If you take a look at these cycles from 2000 to 2001, 2005 to 2006, 2010 from to 2011 and 2015 to 2016. Baker Hughes says that right now fewer than 20 offshore rigs are currently operating in the Gulf of Mexico, and that's comparatively few compared to the peaks of past economic cycles since the year 2000, when the rig count at its peak could easily hit 30 to 40 rigs. All this being said, the offshore exploration companies are hiring right now. One of my sons works on an offshore rig operated by Transocean, one of the largest drilling companies. And over the past six weeks, Transocean has signed over $1.3 billion in new drilling contracts for the... Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's the leading economic indicator for future activity. Copper is used in many, many industries, and the construction industry is among the leading markets for it. Wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe are two of the biggest market segments for copper in the construction business. On September 12th, the price for copper on the comics was $3.68 per pound. Uh, Long term, that's just a pretty high price, but it is down from the $4 per pound price that we have seen earlier this year, and it is remaining well below that level. Whenever you want to get a good take on the direction of the construction market, the Dodge Momentum Index, or DMI, gives you an idea of where construction will be several months and up to a year in the future. The most recent data for the DMI was for August, and for August it ticked down 1.2% to 171.9 points from the rise figure in July of 174 points. As we mentioned, the Momentum Index issued by the Dodge Construction Network, it's a monthly measure 
and it, it'll give you an idea for the non-residential building permits that are in planning, and it showed to lead to total construction spending for non-resident buildings by up to a full year. Sarah Martin, the senior economist for Dodge, the Dodge Construction Network, said in the press release that while the DMI is still strong, weaker economic conditions and rising interest rates may grind down overall consumer and business confidence as we move into 2023. This will translate into fewer non-residential building projects breaking ground. Dodge said in its August report that 26 projects with a value of 100 million or more had entered the planning stage in August. These projects are the largest of these projects are the 400 million two-tower office building in Chicago, the 300 million phase two extension of the Sungate Logistics Park in Daytona, Florida, the 275 million Align Data Center in Sterling, Virginia. The 360 million Scripps Mercy Hospital expansion and the 275 million Triton Center redevelopment in San Diego. Also, the 275 million Okima's public schools renovations in Meridian Charter Township in Michigan. And now for something new in our EW Champion podcast series, our electrical market snapshots. It's market planning season and electrical industry execs want to know which local markets will offer the most sales potential so they can allocate the resources most effectively. If they're a distributor, perhaps they're looking to open a new branch, make a new hire, or pump up inventory to service a local market. If they're a rep, maybe they need to estimate their local market sales potential to see where they can invest their sales time. Electrical manufacturers also need to know which local markets are growing fastest so they can make sure they have solid business relationships with distributors and reps in those areas. The local market data that Electrical Marketing Newsletter offers can help electrical industry executives make smart business decisions. And we're going to preview some of this data right in the following slides. I'm going to give you a, a, a few highlights and several market snapshots of what I believe will be some of 2023's fastest growing electrical markets in the United States, Houston, Phoenix, and Provo, Orem, Utah. I selected the Houston market for today because it is one of the few markets in the United States that where it is its growth rate, as estimated by electrical marketing, is growing at double the pace of the U.S. through second quarter of 2022. It's through the quarter to quarter from the first to second quarter, its electrical sales are up 7%. Its total market size for Houston is about $3.4 billion. It's one of the few markets in the U.S. that is well over the $2 billion mark uh, year over year through the second quarter. Those electrical sales are up 9.3%. Some other notable things about Houston is its incredible population growth over the past few years. The metro as a whole, about 7.2 million of population. And over the past six years, its population is up almost 483,000. So it's, it's pretty huge on the number of new residents flooding into market. Obviously, new residents mean new business in the form of houses, new companies, and the many service operations that they will that service their needs. Whenever you talk about the fastest growing markets in the United States, Phoenix is probably going to come up in that discussion. Uh, one of the things that makes it unique, two reasons. Uh, sales are obviously pretty huge. It's the number seven electrical market in the U.S. Uh, electrical marketing estimates that its electrical sales potential through the second quarter is $2.1 billion, uh, one of the few markets that is over that $2 billion market. But what really uh, blows my mind when you look at this data is that the, those sales, uh, the $2.1 billion in electric, estimated total electrical sales, are about 80% of Arizona's total electrical sales potential. It, it totally dominates the state in that in that manner and a few that in, in a way that few other local markets do. The other really unique thing about Phoenix is its population growth over the last couple of years. It's it, it, over the past year, it, it 
has had about, or excuse me, through 2021, the most recent data available, had 70,000 new people move into the market. From 2015 to 2020, it has had over 479,000 new folks moving into the market. And, and during that period, it's had double digit population growth of 10.5%. Not all of the fastest growing markets are in major metropolitan areas. The Provo or Metropolitan Statistical Area, or MSA, is a good example of a relatively small market with a population of less than a million that is quietly but steadily growing. Located in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains, about 45 miles south of Salt Lake City, the area's population has been growing at a double-digit rate over the past five years. It's adding 38 new residents per day in 2021, and according to census statistics, since 2015, it's added over 79,000 new residents. It's also the home to Brigham University and many different tech firms. Special thanks to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2022. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you'd like to cover in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be on Monday, September the 26th. Until then, be healthy, be happy. I look forward to talking with you in two weeks. Take care.